have you ever fallen head over heels for somebody? Not just somebody. No, no. Have you ever fallen head over heels for somebody? That made promises to give you the world. Um, I really hope they held you down. I really hope it was no lying. Cause my heart breaks and feel like the world's gone. But if the love's real, you feel your soul roar like a lion. And you finally let bygones be bygones. Don't throw in the towel. I know it feels like you're the only one trying. You just gotta learn to live and love on. Someone just gotta look and see I'm screaming out, Lord, help me I've been lonely That's when you always sent me Then you set me free What's going on internet analytic here aka dreams and I would like to welcome you to mine which I call the notorious mass effect podcast I'm your hip-hop slash gaming news source with a little bit of pop culture mixed in For episode 6 we're going to be getting into uh, Ghost of Tsushima Juice World's new album Ubisoft Ubisoft Ford and Migos and QC label issues. But before that, make sure to click, click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and follow to keep up with my latest activities. Also, make sure to hit that subscribe button on my YouTube and share this podcast as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. But now switching it up a little bit, we're going to switch it up a little bit. So now getting into the quote of the pod so for the quote of the pod i went with the hottest game out right now and for those that don't know that is ghost of tashima which is an action adventure game developed by sucker punch productions and published by sony interactive entertainment exclusively for the playstation 4 but this is another exclusive dub for the playstation ponies out there and i say that because I don't even think at this point Microsoft is even focusing on exclusives. Like, from what I've been told, like, Xbox is riding and dying on the fact that their Xbox Game Pass is going to be the thing that rejuvenates the franchise. But, whatever. I mean, you see what, what happened to the previous Microsoft Ventures, aka Mixer, but maybe a little bit too soon for that. But as far as Ghost of Tsushima... It's exclusively for the PlayStation 4. And right now, it's just getting nothing but positive reviews. Everybody's talking good about the game and saying it's a great, uh, visually great game, gameplay mechanics-wise, and, and just everything. So, we're going to get into some of the reviews that... Uh, well, first, we're going to start with the IGN reviews, and then we're going to get into the review roundup. So, for the, for the IGN review, basically, they were saying... You know, IGN, they, be, they write a whole um, 6,000-page article just to tell you that the game looks good. But basically, they were saying that it's pretty huge, basically. Uh, it's a great samurai adventure for those who are into that type of stuff. And it's rewarding throughout the whole 40 to 50 hours, which when I was watching gameplay, I could tell that the side missions... Because sometimes when you play a game... The side missions are just like there with no benefits whatsoever. Like you finish the side missing mission and you don't get anything new. But for Gosha Tashima, am I saying that game right? I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm saying the name right. Anyways, um, if you finish a side mission in this game, 
you get you unlock a new ability you unlock a new move you unlock a new customization piece for your outfit like it's something you can it's something tangible to have after every side mission so each one doesn't feel out of place because without that side mission you won't have that specific thing that specific reward that comes with it so it's a great it's a great rewarding factor to put into a side mission to keep people invested and that's how IGN's talking about it so they gave this game a 9 out of 10 saying that it's an excellent action game and the open world is one of the most gorgeous yet which I don't know why people are bringing out the, the graphically enhanced game so late into the console cycle like we're about to be into the next gen PS5 and Xbox Series X uh, a generation so like for these games to be pushing the graphics so much on the current gen it just makes me wonder what would what would that game have looked like if they've waited if they would have waited for the next gen titles but that's my only like nitpick about this game and that's not even a nitpick really it's still a great game but it's 60 dollars right now um i don't know if it's on sale anywhere but right as of right now it's it's 60 dollars as of me making this as of me making this uh video july 19th this is this is definitely still 60 dollars which it should be because it came out like two days ago i believe uh, but getting into some of the other reviews GameSpot gave this game a 7 out of 10 saying that the, the third and final act is very rewarding uh, to the as a rewarding ending to the, the to the entire game comic book I don't really then you have IGN's you have Otaku they haven't scored it yet there's a lot of these haven't scored it yet because the game like basically just came out some people have early access like the IGN's and GameSpot's but for the other gamers out there, we still have to wait for the actual release date. So, yeah, that's probably why some of these haven't put their scores out. But for the most part, all of these scores are really good. The, all these scores are basically 8 out of 10, 5, uh, 4 out of 5. So, basically, um, everybody loves loves this game. I haven't seen anybody really talk bad about it. I mean, I don't know how you would be able to when the game looks as good as it does. But, you know, people try to people will find a way to talk bad about anything really but Ghost of Tsushima some of the things that stood out to me by watching the gameplay is just playing throughout the game or watching somebody play throughout the game there's a whole win mechanic to get you to mission to get you from mission to mission and it's because to go with that minimalist look and take away certain things that that kind of clutter the screen sometimes like with, with all your HUDs and um all your HUDs and different tips and tricks, like they really went from for a simple look to keep you and get immersed in the world. And that win mechanic is is kind of fitting because like the whole game, the, the the main character's cape, I don't know what his name is, but his cape just kept floating in the air like he was out of a Disney movie. I don't like that was that was weird to me. Like they really went crazy with the win mechanics, but I don't know. Each his own. But uh, other like tangible nitpicks i had about the game is that sometimes when you're you're trying to take out people stealth wise it's kind of funky as even just watching it it's kind of you can tell that it wasn't the most focused on part of the game the, the stealth mechanics because it's just really like you could like certain mechanics 
like I don't know how to explain it because certain games do the stealth mechanics justice and and then when justice and then when you come to another game it's just off a little bit like you can tell something is off and I don't I don't know how to what to compare it to um I see a lot of people trying to compare this game to Sekiro uh Ghost of, Ghost of Tashima and Sekiro is two totally different games and I don't think you'll be able to tell by just looking at it but if you play the game it's totally different the most the, the game that I would compare it to is probably like a Assassin's Creed type game so if you like those type games you would definitely like Ghost of Tsushima Sekiro is more of a Dark Souls type game so basically that's a good comparison that's trying to that's comparing to Sekiro to Ghost of Tsushima is like trying to compare Dark Souls to Assassin's Creed. Like it's just it's, it's totally different. And just because Sekiro and Ghost of Tsushima kind of look alike, well, not kind of, they do look alike because they take inspiration from samurai arts, doesn't mean that it's the exact same game. But besides that, I mean, it wasn't really too much to talk about with Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, oh, another thing that I wanted, I did want to get into, which is like some quick tips, like just for people trying to start out the game, you know, just, you know, just somebody who wanted to pick it up and, and want to ask, what should I do with, when I start the game or what should I look for? You know, cause I do the same thing. Like I'm not trying to start from scratch. If other people are playing it, I want them to give me tips. So I don't have to go through the same obstacles, obstacles that they go through. But anyway, so some, some six quick tips for getting started for Ghost of Tsushima. Basically, people will say to prioritize your resolve meter for healing. So basically, that means like try to prioritize what you're using, the MP you're using to heal. Because in this game, some enemies can take you out pretty quickly. And you, it wouldn't be wise to take on a pack of enemies unless absolutely are like a higher level than them. But this game focuses on you taking them out one by one and then there are certain sections in the mission to where you have to fight the person in the building but that's that's rare on occasion and definitely not overwhelming another one would be that some of the mid game mini games in the game requires rapid button pressing so kind of like when Mortal Kombat test your might you're going to be pressing a lot of buttons and hopefully you don't break your controller so good luck with that another tip is equip the traveler's attire when you're roaming around and they say to do this because it will allow you to your controller to rumble when you I don't know they just said to switch your attire I don't really know I'm reading off a list but basically I haven't played the game but watching the game these are some of the tips they have Improving your armor can net you new cosmetic options. I don't think nobody cares about that. Hold up. The first. They're basically giving you uh, easy tips, like simple tips, like don't die. <laughs> like uh, not dying in the game helps you get further through the story, like tips like that. We're going to skip that. But basically, I tried to help y'all out. I should have tried to help y'all out, but... Basically, in the game, from what I was watching, you just got to be stealthy and do the side missions because those will make you more powerful when you do the main missions. And it's just one of those games that it's a whole open world. So unless you do whatever you want to, 
but if you run into something that's a higher level than you you'll obviously be able to tell because it'll take you out in one one to two hits like it won't be any of that like it won't it won't be any any small talk let's just say that like they'll get straight to the point and take you out so you have to before going to, to certain areas I will make sure you have the right tools and to be able to take them out or if you just try to go in there like level 3 when they're like a level 10 it, it will obviously take long but yeah that's all I have for Ghost of Tsushima do y'all think because right now the way people are talking about it and, and some of the people I've been watching they didn't really hype it up too much but now they're having like 8 hour sessions on the game when they never when they never even play like a game for 4 hours straight it's kind of like Ghost of Tsushima might be game of the year but I don't know if I say that a lot because Final Fantasy 7 the remake is a, still a still a really good game. I don't know if Ghost of Tsushima is better than that, but Cyberpunk still hasn't came out. I don't really see any other game that can compete for game of the year. I don't even want to talk about The Last of Us 2. That's definitely like that was if you want to talk about in the, uh, industry plant, The Last of Us 2 is definitely an industry plant cuz besides the graphics like what innovated did they have to offer like the story was was generic the characters was i don't know anyways it's not a, a last of us 2 rant but i mean what do y'all think y'all think ghost of tashima let me know down in the comment section below or send me a voice message on anchor letting me know what do you think's the best game of 2020 even though we haven't had that many games because of covid what do you think's the best game of 2020 ghost of tashima or just whatever game i'm not gonna list them out to try to influence you just let me know what do you think so yeah that's it for the quarter of the pod and so i think i made sure to say it at the beginning like i've tried to do that do that so the quarter of the pod was ghost of tashima because we're talking about the game yeah now we're gonna switch it up a little bit try to keep it simple so now we're going to get into the music section of the podcast. Now we're going to be talking about Juice World's new album and basically we're going to get into the new album but also I'm going to touch on some other things how I feel about his uh, sales projection well not sales projection his sales it was confirmed and him being having the highest number one debut of like a post hummus album I believe. But first, let's get into the just strictly the music. So from a music standpoint, my favorite song, as you heard at the beginning of the podcast, is Life's a Mess. And that song is really good because I like the way that him and Hazley like plays off each other and throughout the song. And they really have some good songs together. I think they have like two or three songs together. But Life's a Mess is, is really a good song because it has a good message. And also, um, it's just... Like the way they bounced off each other and and played off each other like throughout the whole song is, is really good. And uh, what do I want to get into? Oh yeah, okay. So for this for for the songs I have usually I go with three songs to try to give you a little taste of the album. For but for this one I pick four just because I really like this album. Um, I'm gonna play the first one right now. This is like the first song off the album after the intro. So let's get into it right now. It's a little snippet just to give you a little taste of how the album starts out. Well, not starts out, but how the first song sounds on the album. 
Gucci, Louis V, double V, icy. Wedding ring, better things, better half wifey. Only things, not me, me, from this hard life. Uh, the devil in my phone, he wanna talk. But I'm not really up for conversations. I can't have my cake and eat it too. I just gotta make a reservation. As you can hear, that was the first song off the album. One of my favorite songs, not my favorite, but it's towards the top. I like, I just like it because it, it kind of sets the tone. My favorite album from Juice is uh, is the one before he passed away called Death Race for Love. I love the album cover, the start of the, start of the album. Everything about the album is just really good. Um, a lot of people like... I've just realized that a lot of people listen to Juice World to like cry or whatever. <laughs> well... I don't know if y'all heard that. That was my that was my calendar popping up. Anyways. Popping up again. Oh, so it's trying to take over the whole podcast. But anyways. Basically, I really like Death Race for Love just because of the goodness. Gonna keep coming up. Damn, my computer trying to take over the podcast. But anyways. I really like the album because I forgot what I was saying. Oh, Death Race for Love because like it's it's just like a, a really good album. Like it's kind of like not free going. I don't know the word for it, but it, it it's just like it's it's a really like just free flowing album. Like from song to song, it's different topics. Some of them about love. Some of them about just getting money and some of them about just you know stuff i mean just the, the the three to four topics that every rappers touch on it's just it has all that in there plus album covers really cool plus he came with a unique sound kind of like a not the like i want to say juice world's the black like post malone but he's kind of like a mix between post malone and drake i don't know people may be mad at that my um comparisons with juice but i mean that's what i think of a mask because the way he switches up the genre, but then also the way he raps is just really well. He raps really well, and he freestyles really good. So let's get into the other song I really liked off the, off the album. This one was featuring Polo G and... Uh, it was another guy's name. Let me try not to... I want to mess up his name. Let me go look at it. And the kid... The kid... LaRoe. That's that's a hard name. I personally think he an industry player. I'm like, how do you get... Not only does he have a feature... Like, not only does he have a song featuring Juice World, but he's featured on this album. So it just makes me think, like, like who is his label? Like, who... Like, you know, I'd be thinking people just industry plants out here because you know, sometimes... Like, be, because you only hear what the, the labels want you to hear. That's why people talk about... That's why everybody talks about how being independent is harder than being signed to a major label because you get pushed. Major label pushes your music and being independent, you have to do everything on yourself because it's so it's harder. But we're going to get into that. We're going to we're definitely going to get into that specifically with Juice World. But yeah, let's get into the part where Juice World is kind of ending off the hook and then the kid Leroy comes in because I really like his even though I call him an industry plant. I still like this verse. So let's get into that right now. Oh, 
Talk to all my brothers and they hate the other side. Hate the other side. Hate the other side. Hate the other side. Goodbye. Got too much money on my mind. I don't know if y'all heard me drink it, drink my tea, but anyways, yeah, that song is really good. Uh, the the kid Leroy, I think the way that he's been pushed has me a little skeptical about like just listening to his music as a whole, as a whole, because I'm just like, how does he like was him and Juice friends before this? Like, how did that relationship? I don't think it was really explained. I seen a video of him. And Juice making the song that he put that he released with featuring Juice World called called Go, which that's a I don't know that's a, a solid song. It's, it's not better than the Hate the Other Side, but it, it, it's still Juice has a verse on it. So like on on Hate the Other Side, Juice is just he just has a a, a hook. So I don't know. Let me look. Try to look. I'm really on this man's page. Let me look. I'm trying to find his. He don't want to show me the credits, huh? He signed to Columbia Records, Sony. Columbia Records, Sony. Ba 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 ba. See, this is the type of stuff that I get into. Like, I like just looking up what record labels the, the artists are signed to because that makes sense by why they collab with each other. Because they could just be cool, but most times, most times they're on the same label. Like, artists aren't just cool because they're cool. Like, most of these artists don't like each other, if you don't know that. But, so that's why, like, QC, for example. Well, we're going to get we're gonna get into QC, but. Grade A Productions, Interscope. So Juice was on Interscope. So so they must have a must have like a friendly relationship for them for him to be on Juice's album and them not to be on the same label. Or they probably have connections with Juice somehow. But yeah, that's pretty cool to see. I I don't know how that happened, but whatever. The song's really good. I liked it. Polo G did his thing, but I didn't really want to play his verse because. I mean, it wasn't really too much. If you heard one, if you heard one Polo G verse, you've heard them all. But anyways, Polo G fans gonna get mad at me for that one. But uh, getting into Man of the Year, this is one of the songs where Juice switches up the genre a little bit and kind of gets into why I believe he, he's one of the best, not best, but like he's one of the the greater new generation art. He was one of the greater new generation artists before he passed because he was just so versatile. And just the way he made music was different from other other rappers. Like they just stood, they just stayed in the lane. Basically, like there's nothing wrong with staying in your lane. Sometimes, like you have to venture out. And so, this is this is definitely Juice World venturing out. So we're gonna listen to Man of the Year right here, which I believe is the last album, last song on this album before his outro. Here we go. And listen to it right.
as you can tell, he helped his breakthrough now. Just like <laughs> now that that album was really good. If you listen to the whole song, like it just it switches up. You would think it's a whole like a pop. It may be a rock song. Maybe I think it's a rock song. But that's what I'm just saying with Juice World, like he could switch up the genre and still make a good song. And it's really because he's a student of the game. Like when he was doing interviews and stuff, and I was listening to people who interviewed him talk about how he um was how he was acting behind the scenes or just talking behind the scenes and they would just get more get to know Juice a little bit more before the interview. He would talk about how all the OG rappers he used to listen to, which is why he freestyle freestyle so well because he took a liking to how they freestyled in the past and really tried to build his craft around that. So that's why he always that's why he put that one hour freestyle out on uh, I think it was Westworld. If you just look up Juice World one hour freestyle, it'll pop up. But I think it was on Westworld. But that's why he can go for that, and that's why he can do that. Unlike other artists, be other new artists, because that's just something. He grew up on, and he took the time out to study the game, which I think is why he was one of the best to come out for the new generation. But let's get into the last song I picked out of this album, which is called Come and Go. This is this is almost my favorite, besides Life's a Mess. And it's, it's, because, it's funny because they're like right next to each other on the album. But Come and Go with Marshmallow, I think, was a, a single right before the album came out. So it wasn't really a single. It was just something they put out to build in anticipation even more but yeah this is one of the this is one of those songs where he also ventured out and just did his own thing and with marshmallow i don't know what enticed him to work with juice but i think they made a good pairing because they had this song and then they had i think they had hate the marshmallow made or helped with production on hate the other side too so they they could make a Rap song, and they can make this type of song. So let's get into that right now. If I can, if I can pull it up. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. All right, let's listen to "Come and Go" with Juice World and Marshmallow. See the better in me, always end up better in me. I don't wanna ruin this one. This type of love don't always come and go. I don't wanna ruin this one. This type of love don't always come and go. I don't wanna ruin this one. This type of love don't always come and go. So, you can just tell Juice World was different. Like, the way he just changed up his music and just didn't go with one. Because it's so easy to just pick 15 trap beats and just put verses all on them. But he switched up his, he switched up his genre to try to build his brand. And that's why I think he sold as much as he did. Which is, now that we've done celebrating the music, I'm going to get into the deeper part of how I really feel about his sales. But Juice World sold, had a number one debut with his post Hummus album, sold 508,000. It was very anticipated, as you can tell, as it sold a lot. 
think it's the biggest debut of 2020. Previously, hold by the weekend, one of the one of my goats in the opinion. It well, in my opinion, one of the goats. The weekend I'm talking about. But so for Juice to outsell him in his post hummus album, it's just it's something that makes you just sit back and wonder how he would be like handled if if he had like the right guidance in his life. And the reason I say that is because he throughout the whole album, the songs I played was a little bit touching on just generic not generic but broad topics that everybody can kind of relate to most of the other songs in this album is talking about his addiction or his battle with addiction and basically the the pills he was taking uh, some of the other stuff he was taking he always put that in his music so it's kind of one of those things where artists do this sometimes where they vent through their music and they use their music as a diary because really rapping is like a form of therapy if y'all didn't know for those who don't rap. But so Juice and some of the other songs is literally crying out for help, like literally. But not to get too deep on it. Basically, the song came out, he has he has a whole the label put out a whole song with Juice World listed like I can't die with Juice World talking about how many different ways he can't die cuz like I think he said like legends live forever or something like that. But just the whole premise of some of the songs they let on the album of him still talking about. Cause I mean, if he just had every song talking about pills, then I would understand. But you, t- you telling me like there was no other songs out of the 4,000 they claim he has that didn't talk about him using pills. Like, I don't know. It was just kind of weird. And the biggest thing, the main reason I wanted to get into his sales because not only did he sell 500,000, 508,000, which is like insane. It's not like I would think like Drake will have a will will have trouble hitting that mark. But will Drake? Nah, nah, I think Drake sells way more. I don't know. Yeah, I think Drake sells like a mil. I think he sold like 700,000 last time. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, Juice not on Drake's level, <laughs> but he's he's close. He's closer than any other of these other artists. But basically, I talk about the the sales because the way that this works, like with with royalty and streaming, the label's gonna get most of this, most of the money out of this album. So it's just like for me, I didn't really care about the numbers too much. I just wanted to hear the music, basically. But the people who like. Like people would like promote it and promote it. Like like I didn't I don't think I promoted it too much. The only thing I said basically I just said I was gonna listen to it. And I was waiting for it. But the sales I didn't really care too much for it because those literally go all to the label. Like there's a thing and and I don't think I, I think I've touched on this with Pop Smoke. You you have a contract, when you die, your royalty and licensing fees goes to another person, whoever that is. But all your artists are in 360 deals and are getting taken advantage of by the label. No artist is not getting taken advantage of by the label. If you don't believe me, look up Drake label issues. No artist has a good contract when it comes to labels. And people and 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 we're going to get that we're going to get into that with, we're going to get into that further with Migos. But I just want to I want I just want to leave that there with Juice. So, with that being said, Juice World's selling five hundred and eight thousand 
only does only is great news to his label. But, uh, I mean, his girlfriend liked it too. I don't I don't know if she's that savvy, but how much money she should be getting or whoever he uh, gave his like whoever he listed as his as his recipient of his royalty and licensing fees after he passed away if and when he passed away i don't know if it was her his parents like it could be anybody but i don't think she understands like how much she's kind of getting getting played by the label so grade a productions llc under the license to interscope records so interscope records is getting 95 percent of this that's the that's the hard truth hard truth i don't know i'm just making up phrases <laughs> but uh that's just just that's just the the hard pill to swallow basically that juice world selling all this but his family even if they do see something of it they're gonna see like one percent of the ten percent that they should be getting. So that's what I wanted to touch on. That's why I'm not too excited for his sales. I mean, it's cool that he had all that, but he's not here, so I don't think like when you're an artist, you're kind of built to go at your label for more and more and more. But when you pass away, like who really does that fight for you? Who fights for that for your deal for you? You know. You have to sometimes you have to do what the Migos are doing, which we're going to get into later to get what you actually negotiate. Because in life, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. So hopefully his girlfriend knows how to maneuver in the industry because it's a cutthroat industry. And that's why I've always said I've never wanted to be a rapper because no artist ever in life has a good record um has a good contract towards them unless you're independent and when you're independent nobody's going to push you like you you have to have it's kind of like a it's kind of like the nfl you could be in that system and still get underpaid by the owners or you could go play football for the for some other rec league in your local rec league but you won't get near the amount of money as you would in the nfl but you're still not getting your value so that's kind of how Juice World is. But yeah, didn't mean didn't mean to get too deep on y'all, but basically I had to get that off my chest because you know Juice World fans, not no, not emotional, but just like kind of overestimate what sales are and what they can do for Juice. Like it just, I don't know, it just shows the power of his audience more than it helps out for Juice. But anyways. We're going to switch it up a little bit before I get too deep on y'all. <laughs> switch it up a little bit. And my groove went away, of course. I don't know. That happens all the time. Anyways, all I got to do is pull it right back up. Right back up. All right. Switching it up a little bit. Tell them to bring me my money. Yeah. I don't know why I played that. My sound, my sound. Okay, so for those that don't know, my sound system has been messing all the way up. So like right now, I'm just 
I'm just hoping that it's recording. Like, I'm just hoping. <laughs> I'm just making this whole podcast just hoping it's recording. Because, like, my sound system's been messing all the way up. But anyways. Okay, now that we played that. Anyways, let me get that out of my face. Uh, let's get into gaming. So, for gaming, this is the best part I wanted to get into. Because I, Ubisoft. So, we're going to get into Ubisoft forward for, so I don't get too ahead of myself. But we're going to talk about their showcase and everything they had to offer. Basically, we're going to go over the games, but we're really going to get into Watch Dogs Legion because that's one of the, my most, no, Cyberpunk is. That's Marvel's coming out too. There's a lot of games coming out this year that I really want. That's a lot of money though. Hmm. There's a lot of money. You ever just think about like how you're going to pay for something? Anyways, uh, let's get into the games. So Ubisoft Forward was an all-digital showcase from the French publishing company. And this is everything you need to know. If you missed it, this is everything you need to know. Like, you don't need to know anything else besides this. They showed Far Cry 6. They showed a trailer for that. Not really going to react to that. But the trailer was really good. Basically, the main antagonist, I think, had his son hold a bomb. It was just basically the bomb was a symbol for the destruction of something in, in the world going on and how they need a leader to lead them. How everybody who you lead are not going to like you. You know, just stuff like that. Far Cry 6 looking good. They also showed Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And from I've heard that people have had hands-on with it. And from what they've been saying, it's a solid game. But it could go either way because with the Odyssey came coming out before, Odyssey was a great game. We're going to see if Assassin's Creed Valhalla can live up to that. Because the way Assassin's Creed Odyssey played out may have been one of the best Assassin's Creed games to ever come out. Not the best, the best, but one of the best, like up there. Next we have Hyperscape. Oh, um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is set to be released for, for November 17th. And Xbox players gets to play that game, so it's a big deal for Xbox players. But anyways, uh, Hyperscape, Hyperscape's new the, the the Ubisoft Battle Royale open, so it's in open beta right now. I don't know if it's for PC or I don't know. It doesn't really like it's not specific. I would think it's for just PC players, but anyways, you can look it up on the on your console app. Marketplace to see if it's there. I think it's just for PC players. Anyways, forget all that. Uh, <laughs> Watch Dogs Legion is set to be released October 29th, 2020. I repeat, October 29th, 2020. That's the game I'm looking forward to, which allows this game's going to allow us to essentially play any NPC in the game. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? That's why I'm so excited for this game. Like I feel like this game's gonna either it's gonna it's gonna change the gaming landscape or it's just gonna flop. Like the whole mechanics is gonna flop. Like this the this type of huge mechanic is there's no in between. That's like in GTA, you know how you could play as uh Franklin, Trevor, and Michael. That's like if you could play as anybody in the game and them not have the extensive story like Franklin, Trevor, and Michael, but have some sort of story when you control them. Like, it's, it's going to be crazy. But speaking of crazy, we're going to get into... Well, speaking of crazy, I don't even know why I said that. 
But basically, we're going to get into a little gameplay overview they gave us. And so we're going to react to it. So not only did I just talk about it, we're also, also going to react to it because this is one of my highly anticipated games of the year. Let's see how. Our people do not know how to be happy. They are torn apart by opinions. But this they is will hate you, Diego. Call you evil. This is the Far Cry. Um, are you? They're playing the Far Cry advertisement right now. I'm not going to play that part. But here we go. Ah, London Town. Yeah, here we go. A modern metropolis. Basically, I'm just looking at the the Built levels right now. Now I gotta do the. Now that the, my levels is. And now that my levels is all the way messed up, I gotta do these. I gotta do this manually. So, hopefully, it's not messed up for the podcast version. For the YouTube version, y'all be alright. <laughs> y'all be alright. I'm. Y'all be good. <laughs> um, let's go to this. Let's go to that. Definitely don't want no 720. Put it on HD. Twelve thousand years to build it up. Here we go. Now let's rewind. Ready? Ah, London Town, a modern metropolis built on history and perspective. Uh oh, it's buffering. Can't do that. Oh no. Ah, London Town. A modern metropolis built on history and prosperity. It's still buffering, but whatever. It fixes itself. To build it up, if it keeps buffering, we'll, we'll just, it we'll just stop it. Oh my god. Listen up. Get all your units to move in and lock down the city. With London under attack by a mysterious terrorist, the government turns to a private military company called Albion to keep everyone safe. What oh, could no. possibly go wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nigel Cass, CEO of Albion. He's kindly stepped up to establish order. Understand this. I will not allow anyone, not even myself, to jeopardize this. He will stop at nothing to permanently control the city. London will be the first city in the world to be made truly safe. Nigel's not the only opportunist who's taken a liking to this fair city. Meet Mary Kelly, head of the most powerful crime syndicate in London. Be sure and spread the word. She and her goons are using the dark web to sell everything from party pills to people. Microchip is scary, I know, but oh, I've no. got to keep tracks on my merchandise. Selling I? humans? You made me a slave. You do not want to ruffle her feathers. This the last of us? With the city out on its ass, it now falls on you to build a resistance and take back London. All right, everyone. Faces on, guns out. Any of the brave Londoners you see walking the streets can be recruited into your team. Like him. Her. This is the part I was talking about. Or even her. Who's trying to play as Granny? Everyone could become your next secret weapon. In our first mission, we need to get some dirt on Nigel Cass, and that means breaking into Albion headquarters inside the Tower of London. 
Okay, so... All the hardy souls you see here are gameplay. people we have recruited from the streets of London. They all have unique abilities, and you're free to tackle this mission with... Hold up. Wouldn't it be cool if at some point in this game you could play as... Who's his name? Marcus from Watch Dogs 2 or Aiden from Watch Dogs 1? That'd be... Like, if they was in it... Not DLC. I don't like promoting DLC, but I would definitely buy DLC if they was a part of it. If they had like an Aiden and Marcus pack, like they came to London or something. Because I think this happens like way after Watch Dogs 1 and 2. So I don't even know if they're going to connect like that. But let's just hope. At least, at least put Marcus in it. With whoever you like. Dear God, my eyes. Mikey. Zip up, get to work, and let's never talk about this again. Like everyone in DedSec, Arthur can hack pretty much whatever. But as a construction worker, he has a particular set of tools that make him handy. Oh, he liked the Joker. He can even call his own cargo drone. That's pretty cool. Perfect for gate crashing. Definitely flying that. And who needs a regular old gun when you have a bloody nail gun? Please just tell me all those bullets are missing. What is that thing? Perhaps we could approach this mission differently. If you'd rather keep your distance, we've got you covered. Amy is a drone expert. What have we here? A real tech connoisseur. You say I can switch from switch from different uh, NPCs, what an adorable and they all have their different like abilities. It's so cool. A drone expert does have the unique ability to summon their own drone. This little darling is fast and stealthy. She aims. She fires. She hits. I'm reading incoming drones. All those bullets is missing. She can also hack enemy drones. Those drones got stormtrooper aim. And if you are not into direct confrontation, there are more ways than one to get the job done. Recruiting an Albion officer like Brielle here might be challenging, but it'll get you inside restricted Albion areas. Don't mind me, just doing recon for a bunch of insurgents. However, okay. do anything suspicious and she'll probably wind up with a bullet in the back of her head. You've been approved for entry. We're missing the human element here. Let's see. I can get the defense minister on the line right now. Well, if you feel you must. Don't kill him. Look. I already knew it. Criminals running our streets, illegals threatening our families, the police commissioner himself, assassinated by terrorists. Well, mm. that seems to be enough evidence. Next up, we're crashing Mary Kelly's organ farming operation and putting a stop to it. Selling humans. That's good. The buyers expect high quality stuff. And we need a hard nut for this. Impairing our frontal lobe again, are we? Bags. Don't disturb me in my natural habitat. Say hello to Mickey. The man lives for his team. That putting up a rare on my chest. 
and doesn't mind getting his hands dirty. He does have a slight drinking problem, though. He doesn't seem like the best NPC. And he's passed out. Ah, well, we'll come back to him. You know what? Let's go with someone a bit more professional. Uh oh, Aiden? It's almost crass to call him a hitman. is killing people some might even call him an artist remember you can use a stun gun as Marcus so you ain't had to kill people I bet you that's the option with some NPCs here's the bastard responsible <sighs> done and dusted not bad not bad if I do say so in it not everyone in London is a legendary assassin or a super spy, but everyone can be a hero. So get out there, find the best. No, he did not just backflip onto him. And build your resistance. Was this Tekken? It's time to take back London. Uh oh, I think we're at the end of the video. Yep, well, that's the end of the Watch Dogs Legion gameplay overview. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think down in the comment section down uh down below. Uh send me a voice message on Anchor. Letting me know what's the biggest takeaway you took from this trailer. The biggest thing I've seen was just the, the thing that I spoke on before we even watched it. Like, the ability to use any MP NPC in the game is just, I believe that's going to be game changing. Just because no other game has really done that before. So, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see how that plays out. Yeah, also, they uh, Ubisoft forward to getting into the rest of the games. It showed Brawlhalla, Just Dance 20, 2020. The Crew 2, which is a racing game for those that don't know. Trials Rising, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Why do you keep coming out with Ghost Recon Breakpoints instead of making another Splinter Cell game? Like, people don't like to play as Sam Fisher no more? I heard somebody say, like, he was, like, 50 years old. But, like, in video game years, video game years don't matter. It just, you know, send them back in time and then you got a whole new story arc. But anyways, so... I just want a new Splinter Cell, like, instead of a Ghost Recon. But there's probably, like, Ghost Recon fans out there that disagree. Anyways, I just want to talk about Ubisoft Forward because of Watch Dogs Legion. And also, I want to talk about Ubisoft as a whole because apparently they've been going through their own issues. So, Forbes, Forbes came out and put an article out saying that they need to address... How do I get this on my screen? Oh. Advertisement. Okay. 
So you um Forbes came out with an article saying that Ubisoft needs to discuss their harassment during the Ubisoft Ford event, which they didn't, and they said because they quote unquote pre-recorded it. So, anyways, whatever that means. Ubisoft is by far uh look at this. So basically Ubisoft was had a wave of allegations coming through with assault, sexual sexual abuse, harassment, and toxic workplaces being the, the, the focal points. And this was aimed at the employees on all levels. Like so, not just the and just the regular employees, the ones at the top too. And we saw, and because of these allegations, three different executives resigned. So obviously, the, these allegations hold some weight if they're resigning, or maybe they just told them to go away while we clear this up. You know how they give them the little speech on, yeah, just go away for a little bit and it's gonna blow over. Hopefully, that's not the case. Hopefully they find justice for whatever the alleging, if it's true. And the most they said the most per powerful person at Ubisoft behind CEO. I can't say that name, but he re resigned, I guess. But yeah, that's a big deal. Like you get hit with uh, sexual allegations, like multiple of them. Like when the where there's smoke, there's fire. But I don't want to, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty but it's not looking good for ubisoft so hopefully they can fix that i don't know if they have at the time of me at the time of me recording this i don't think they have so hopefully they can um find justice for the people alleging what they allege so yeah let's let's switch it up from that i just wanted to touch on that because you know i always got to spread the good message and speaking of message my message of the day is that groove just goes away every time I try to use it. All right, we're going to pull it right back up. So. Yeah, let's switch it up a little bit. So now we're going to get into the final segment of the podcast called Pop Culture. So now we're going to get into Pop Culture. I don't know why I said final segment of the podcast. Like this not going on to YouTube also. So this is basically what I was touching on at the end of Juice World's my Juice World take on his, his new album. Migos sue the lawyer, alleging conflicts of interest with quality control label QC. Well, quality control is QC, but anyway, not to confuse any of y'all. So when I was talking about artists and the record labels. With artists having to get what they negotiate, not what they. Uh, now, when I talked about artists trying to get what they negotiate, not what they are, like not what they deserve, this is what I mean. So the Migos filed on behalf of the Atlantic Trio in California. So they filed court documents, lawsuits, because. They felt like they was robbed and cheated out of millions of dollars. Now, whenever artists who are winning like the Migos are getting cheated out of millions by the record label, you never know when you're winning. You always notice when it slows up a little bit and you look back and like, hey, I released Bad and Bougie. I released Ice Trade the Game. I released 
Another one. I released T-shirt. How come the T-shirts I'm selling are going straight to QC, which is a real thing. Quality Control has the rights over Migos merch. Think about that. Anything Migos on a T-shirt, cup, pants, shorts, anything. Proceeds of that go straight to QC. I think how much money Migos. No, just think of how influential Migos is on how people dress. Especially Offset. I mean, Offset just. I mean, like. They started in Atlanta. Think about it. Atlanta. How Migos dress. Atlanta. How Migos dress. Put the two and two together. I'm not going to lay it out for you. I'm not going to spell it out for you. But anyways. So. Them having the, the merch rights is a huge deal in itself. And within the lawsuit, they said that the lawyer that was representing them took advantage of Quavo Offset and Takeoff as easy as easy tar- quote unquote easy targets to coax into one-sided deals that benefited the lawyer and his repu- uh, relationship with quality controlled music. So not only was Migos using not only did the Migos get cheated out by the lawyer, they also got cheated out by the label because that lawyer has a long-lasting relationship with the label. You see how it works? So you go into a contract, right? People think, it's funny because when, when I talk to like rappers, people be thinking like contracts look like the side of a nutrition label off of a product. Like it's not that black and white. So you, you go into a contract, right? And the reason I know about this is because like, you know how, if you're a basketball fan, you know how you can watch behind the scenes and, pe- and people in the game talk about other people. And so you know more about that person because the person in the game. Like if you hear Dwayne Wade talk about LeBron, kind of like that. So I listen to other rappers talk about deals in full, like Tory Lanez, Russ. And you can see Russ, like he gets a lot of money. He he knows what he's talking about. And he he, he just got off his label and is now independent. So if you want to learn more about it in detail, because I can break it down, but break it down like him, who's a successful artist, I would just look up Russ label um, discussion, and it'll probably pop up. But as far as the Migos go, so this this will happen. Migos had a contract way back before. I don't even know. It was a while ago, way back before culture or anything. They had a contract for probably five years. And the label was like, well, if you need help with the lawyer, we know this guy. And then that's that's how quick. It don't even take that long. That's how quick they get you. We know this guy. You can use him. We'll give you a discount. Then later down the line, aka now, you find out. Yeah, they knew that guy. And they knew each other really well to work out deals in favor for the label and the lawyer, not for you. So that's why you always have to be careful of using the label's lawyer. But they also said Migos were unaware that the lawyer represented QC, which is weird because, I mean, if I don't know how, like, how can you not ask him? Like, that's the, that's the weird part to me. If you, you can't ask a lawyer who he's worked with in the past, like, Obviously, you got to ask around. I don't think the Meek, not to say Migos are like dumb, but like, I don't, 
I don't know if they're the. I'm just gonna leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, I can see why I'm getting towards, but basically, P, the mad that the, the lawyer had, lawyer that the lawyer's loyalty was with QC and the executive, and the executives Pierre Thomas P and Kevin Lee Coach K. So the new lawyer that Migos have is is going to bat for them, trying to get them more money. And basically, this is another like it's another layer. The lawyer that they hired to get them out of the deal that they're in with QC, or not even get them out of the deal, get them what they believe they deserve or what they earn. Even that lawyer is gonna be asking, "How much am I getting?" How much? How long is this gonna take me? Like, even he's asking for the Migos to pay him to get them more money. So you see, it's it's just complicated all around. It's just how it works. Sometimes you have to really understand how messed up the music industry is. Uh, the Migos. Basically, it's just talking more about the Migos disputes with the lawyer. Uh, oh, okay. So we have the executive Pierre Thomas P, the CEO. I don't know if that's the. I don't know. Whatever. CEO of Quality Control Music spoke out about the Migos lawsuit, denying any involvement, affirming that he exercises ethical business practices. Quote. It is unfortunate that the same people that we have worked hard for, provided opportunities for, and championed are now alleging that we have participated in any kind of immoral or unfair business practices or took advantage of them in their careers, he said. So he went on to say that his brand would not be tarnished. I would not stand and let quality controls music reputation and everything we have built and sacrificed be tarnished by allegations for unfair of unfair and unjust business practices i understand in this business that you are not always going to end up with the people you started with basically without saying the music industry is messed up i say well getting back to his quote i say that to say i am not forcing anybody to be in business with us that has a problem and cannot communicate and does not want to work as a unit everything is negotiable me and then so that's the end of the quote by P. Well, no, that's the end. That's the end of the quote by Thomas. And then they went on to say Migos haven't spoke publicly on the lawsuit yet. Of course they have. But you see the little shots they're throwing. They don't know how to communicate. You know they're not working as a unit. You hear all these different. Cause, what do you think made Quavo want to get a sweetie? Like, think about that. You see Offset and you see Cardi B. You see how Cardi B took Offset's fame to a whole nother level. What do you think Quavo's trying to do? Quavo and Sweetie just came out with a whole interview with... QC... Not QC. I don't know what that... Whatever the magazine was called. the, The magazine that Kylie and Travis did. Basically, Quavo's trying to take that route of 
the relationship route to boot to boost his status. And I mean, it's nothing wrong with it if you find somebody and then you want them to glow up with you in the in the music industry. Not only as a person, but you want them to be in the music industry and play those music industry games. It's very similar to how Cardi and Offset are. So how of a unit are uh D'Amigos, I'm not too sure anymore. I don't know if they're the as close of they as they used to be. If you listen to little Yachty interviews, they're really telling on um, whenever they ask about how QC is running as a label. Before all this. Like this probably before all happened, it just bubbled up to this allegation because they probably had to wait. You know, you had Black Lives Matter, you had COVID. They probably been sitting on this, waiting to just air them out, but they had to wait. And the reason I talk about Offset in this because, think about it. The song, um, the song with Travis, the song with Travis and John Thug called Give No F's, basically F's. Um, If you listen to the end of the song, not the end of it. If you listen to Offset's verse, do you really think Quavo, Offset, and Takeoff was in the same room when they re- recorded those verses? Listen to Quavo and Takeoff's audio quality than listen to Offset's. Totally different. And it's only those type of things most fans don't catch. It's only like if you really care about rap like that, if you really like do the time to like, oh, why does he sound like this and they sound like that? And I mean, Offset sounded like he was just in the middle middle of a Call of Duty stream. Got the call that they needed a verse. Went in there and just did the a verse with the, with the with the gaming headset on. But uh, yeah, so, so I guess Offset was giving him a sixteen with the Turtle Beaches on. But anyways, that's I mean that's what it sounded like. You could hear it like literally, literally. But um, it's just an unfortunate situation. I grew up on a meek. I grew up on Amigos, and just to see them going through it with QC is never, like, I don't find enjoyment with that, but still, you have to break it down for people who believe every contract label looks like the side of a, a product with a nutrition label, so contracts do not look like nutrition labels. Contracts look very complicated for a reason. Like, literally, the, the point of a contract worth that much is to confuse you, like, they literally put so much gray area in there where when you come back and be like, how come I don't get this? How come I haven't seen this money from this song, this money from this merch? Then their lawyer comes in like, oh, you didn't see where this said that. And you guys are going to get this money, but you're going to get this percentage of that percentage. And y'all don't get the real because we have to pay for this. We have to pay for that. We have to pay for your uh video shoots, your concerts, like it would get to the point where where the wording in the contract is just going to be too overwhelming for you to understand. You will have to get a lawyer. And even getting a lawyer doesn't 100% certify you that you're going to not get um used. And not going to get, like, you're going to get used. It's just, are you going to get used to the fullest extent? 
or you're gonna get used to like a Drake level. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you gonna get more out of it than the person B getting used all the way and doesn't have anything to show for his hit singles? That's it. <laughs> I just wanted to get into how artists and labels go back and forth. It, it's really, it, it's really kind of, it's really not complicated. Like you gotta, everything is, everything's complicated into a simplified, basically, or or everything's complicated, complicated until you understand it. So I just try to break that down for y'all so y'all can understand how these labels really aren't for the artists. Like all these. Black Loud Matters tweet tweets and stuff. Give artists back the the royalties, and then we'll see who's really about Black Lives Matter or for the artists, you know. But it, it, it it's a hard thing to talk about because, on the other hand, labels do do a lot for artists, but they don't do as much as they let on, which is always. In in any field of work, you're always going to run into that. Am I getting paid my value? And the answer is always no. You're getting what you negotiated. So yeah. That's all I have for this episode. Um, That's about it. Thanks for tuning in. For uh, the Notorious Mass Effect podcast. Let me know down in the comment section down below. What do you think about artists versus labels? And. I mean comment down below. What artist you think is getting a good deal. And. I'll let you know. Well, no artist is getting a good deal. Like, don't even. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, no. That I'm, I'm, I never want to be a rapper. Like, no artist is out. Like, every artist goes through it. Every artist. Um. Yeah, that's about it. So, yeah, that's about it for the episode. Thanks for tuning in to Notorious Mass Effect Podcast. And don't be afraid to send me a voice message letting me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in the next episode. Click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and followers to keep up with my latest activities. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on my YouTube and share this podcast as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Notorious Mass Effect.